Welcome to the Programmatic Digest, a podcast dedicated to review industry headlines and trends in the programmatic and digital ad tech world. I'm Ellen Parker, your host and Chief Programmatic Sensei of Ellen Parker Consulting, where we offer customizable training in programmatic media. Welcome, everybody. Thank you again for tuning in. This week, we have a very special guest, Mattia Foshi. How are you doing today? Hi, Ellen. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Programmatic Digest podcast. We have a lot to talk about this week. And before we get into today's conversation and your intro, this episode has been sponsored by by Work Reduce. If you want to reimagine how to work in advertising, check out Work Reduce forward slash careers. And now back to the episode with our special guest, Mattia. Before we get into today's conversation, that's going to be geared around cookie less targeting in a digital identity and privacy world, specifically in the European market. Um, how about you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, but also how you got to where you are now? Sure. Um, well, I'm not a marketer, uh, and so uh, I've, I've been on a steep learning curve to understand a fairly complex sector. Um, I'm actually a lawyer by training. Oh, and, nice. Um, really cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, really? You're the first person, actually. <laughs> so, no, it is <laughs> most cool. Most people yawn when I say lawyer. Anyways, um, it does help, though, because um, I'm, um, I think I, I understood where the, all the privacy regulation was going uh, a little bit before other people um, and some of the implications and some of the case law um, that came afterwards just kind of confirm our, our guesses. So it, it turned out to be a fairly useful skill to have understanding the law. Um, yeah. But yeah, generally, I'm, um, I'm a lawyer and with, with a little bit of entrepreneurial experience, uh, but I got this, I kind of stumbled into this um, by just looking at um, how the data market was just kind of clashing with the law. And so there's an opportunity there. Wow. Um, and also you are the founder and CEO of ID Word. Correct. Yes. ID Word, based um, on your website and on your LinkedIn, is mission-driven company using AI to help media publishers. So talk to us about ID Word, how it came about, and also like, I know you you select you mentioned the the mission, but like the really why? What drove you to to founding ID Ward? Well, I think I think I'll probably need to update the website. I think the best way of of thinking about it is as a as a tech platform that enables publishers and advertisers to build their own private networks mm-hmm. within which they can see a hundred percent of audiences. They're almost like logging audiences. They can see everything they do. They can target them, retarget them, measure conversion, et cetera, in a way that is 100% privacy compliant. Now that ties into the mission, privacy. Because I think the, the whole point, I think I, I became passionate about privacy when I understood how data could be used to manipulate public opinion, not just on social, but even on the open web. And I just I just thought it was something um, something disturbing into the way data was being used. And obviously this isn't necessarily used by the legit people who just want to do business with, you know, targeting, et cetera. But the fact that data has become a currency and anyone can grab a copy of that and then use it for whatever reason, I felt that was pretty dangerous and and pretty appalling. So uh, basically we took an ethical stance in saying, look, um, data has to be a, a, a personal data is a personal right as a human right, and people need to have real true control over it. It just so happened that the world then developed 
uh, and and kind of moved in the right direction. So what was an ethical stance now is a very very sound business stance as well. So when um, the whole privacy, you know, all of the privacy laws and regulation came out in the last few years, whether in the European market or um, in the U.S. market, where where is where I'm based, um, you were already on top of it. You had already founded ID Board, or was that why one of the reasons why you founded ID Board? Uh, well, I think the law, the GDPR, came into force in in, in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. Therefore. Uh, the the opportunity materialized after after the law was there. The the thought process probably started there before, but the company was planned after that. Um, but what's really changed it for us is not just the regulators. The regulators really poorly understand the tech. They write this kind of fuzzy stuff, and then nothing really changes. It's that the platforms are changing the technology. So it's the Google switching off the cookie and Apple switching yeah. off IDFAs and all that. That that's been a game changer for us. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm really excited about this conversation because I don't, I don't, and um, I hope you're not going to judge me for this. I hope you're not going to judge me for this, but I know enough of privacy to understand why it is so important to respect it and understand why um, consent driven advertising is so important. And I'm honestly a big fan of consent driving, uh, data driven. But for somebody listening to the podcast, can you even take it a step uh, back to explain? We understand the origins, but like in your own terms, why do you think it ever happened or why do you think it happens now? And then what are some specific steps we can do to become, you know, consent driven from a buying? So from a from an advertiser side and a publisher side? Uh-huh. Um, two difficult questions. Why it's happening now? Uh, yeah. I guess it's a mix of factors. I think um, this has been going on for a while, but there have been certainly a number of developments, notably Facebook, um, Cambridge Analytica scandal, and some, yeah. other, good point, yeah. some other examples where kind of it just gave, a, gave it a push um, and then kind of the broad public understood what the implications of of, um, not having any control over the data are for society. Um, Regulators are slow. I think they've been been starting to look at this stuff in Europe at least 10 years ago. Um, But it took them time to get the wrap their heads around the tech. And and also they gave some time to the industry to try and adapt to to what the changing perception, changing expectation of the public sphere. Um, So... We are now in a situation where we kind of we are being pushed gently or not so gently pushed into a, a different direction. But a lot of businesses and a lot of companies are struggling to adapt their tech stack and their business models to a new reality. And I think only that is opening an, uh, an opportunity for startups to innovate. It's not just an opportunity for us, it's a need. Because if we don't innovate as, as an industry, and I put myself into programmatic, um, the truth is it will die. I'm sorry to be so blunt, but kind of I, I speak with agencies every week and they say programmatic is a mess. Why don't we just, we, we just shift more and more budgets to social? Direct, yeah, yeah, yeah. Easier. Yeah. And what do you say to them when they say that? <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll say to them, you, you're missing massive audiences and really good insights. You're mm-hmm. essentially neglecting and forgetting about billions of people who spend a lot of time in the places that they trust more than a social media feed. Um, You've got to reach those audiences on the right publishers because your brand will be better, your conversions will be better. 
but I, then I fully accept we're not quite there yet. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. And it's a, it's a journey, you know, it's not a it's not a destination in my opinion. So yeah, I think I've had similar conversation with some of my agency partners. Um, I, I, I have a consulting business as well, where I help agency partners um, increase their revenue, improve employee retention, and like revamp their operation. And simply what simply said, what I do is with the experience I've gained as a programmatic media buyer and director in the programmatic field specifically, I'm able to like look at an agency and how they're running things internal from running a campaign all the way to selling and help them implement like system and processes. And so when, when I came across interviewing you, I was really exciting because, excited because privacy is, is really big conversation that I have with uh, some of my clients, especially on the first party data since that's very specific to like running a campaign or pulling a strategy or overarching um, or overall objectives for our clients. So give me three advice that you maybe can, can give me to have with my clients or anybody listening about, all right, when, when we see something that we may not be okay with when it comes to, um, <clears throat> I'm going to call it cons consent-driven marketing, <laughs> consent-driven data. What are three things we want to make sure to express in the moment to let the client know that, hey, this might not be a extensive priority right now or your first priority, but it should definitely be very, very soon because of these, these, these. Wow. Um, I guess the pitch will depend on the client, right? Well, good, um, good, yeah. So uh, if you're an agency speaking to a, 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 a consumer-facing friend, yeah. Um, Certainly, there's an element of brand reputation that you don't want to compromise. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's that's. I think that has to be um, number one thing. There's certainly the Gen Z, even even the millennials are are literate enough to understand um, what it means when a brand doesn't really take care about their data. So they need to spin that story in a way where they want to be at the forefront and to some extent pushing agencies to be more privacy compliant because it's a choice that pays off in terms of consumer perception uh, and and brand positioning i'm not i'm not saying this is number one i'm just listing and in no particular order no that's good okay yeah yeah the that's second good. thing is as at least in europe as remote as this might sound a four percent fine on global turnover generally far outstrips the uh, programmatic budget of any or, or roi of any campaign uh, yeah right yeah. so a brand really needs to be very very careful that if there is any breach small or big uh, yeah. It can result in pretty hefty fines. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's number two. I think number three is actually you want to look at the opportunities of embracing some of the new technologies that are coming that are coming at you because uh, programmatic has never been a particularly effective. It's been reach and scale, but um, you know you can measure ROI super well. Uh, we know that cookies in particular have been a very poor short-term solution that then have become the norm. But you do have, even in a cookie forward, 40% of, of cookie don't sync. So it means that you're losing 40% of audiences already. Um, mm -hmm. And to an extent, you just kind of, it's cost of doing business. Well, it shouldn't be. Uh, and, I, and if you come into the kind of, if you join the bandwagon of the new solutions that are being developed, not only they can be more privacy preserving, but it can also return, give you better return on investment. Maybe you don't get the same scale to begin with. 
but you can scale it because your your yeah. influence, your position can build a better a better ecosystem. Right, 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 right. And I, I think that's a, you mentioned cookie cookie less world. So I think I'm gonna use that opportunity to shift a little bit and segue into a cookie less targeting. Um, I honestly know this is a really important topic to have, but I've I've grown <laughs> bored of talking about it mm-hmm. for many reasons. Right, we. Yep. Overdid it at the beginning of 2020 and 20, actually 2021 with cookie-less targeting. You need to try this and that. And so for this particular reason, um, let's talk about Google. Let's talk about Apple. Let's talk about like the future of the open web. What is your perspective on first the open web? Do you think it's going to last? Do you ever think that our programmatic media world is going to shift from open when to like direct only because of privacy concern? So first of all, I'm sorry that you, you suffer from cookie-less fatigue, um, but <laughs> like everyone has a, it's, it's a drama because, you know, we've been talking about it so much and there's yeah. been this anti-climax for Google going, oh, well, actually... I change yeah. our mind. Um, you know, we're going to do it in 2023. And some people now are speculating, oh, maybe they postpone it again. Well, I don't think they will. The point being, are you just wasting time? It's not problem solved. It's problem postponed. And in the yeah. meantime, you're still losing audiences on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Safari and iOS, etc. The um, the I think they are going to be very blunt. Yeah, right? go if for you, it. If you, if you <laughs> this might ruffle some feathers of Europe, but um. I think programmatic, the open web is dead. Oh, wow. Why are you saying this? Talk to me. Tell me more. Well, if you, if you define open web as the ability to um, share information and data about audiences so that you can find them wherever they are, build this 360-degree view of the consumer and omnichannel yeah, yeah. targeting of that, it's just not going to work. Technically, it's not working already. It's, a, it's, re- it's, it's kind of slowly dying but it's dead there is no future for it um because the fundamental principles of the regulations that are then driving the changes apple and google are using to protect their position or even increase their market share are such that legal entities cannot share information about the consumers unless there is consent and there cannot be consent by a user to say i'm going to allow you to share my data with hundreds of companies who in turn can share with hundreds of companies because that's the nature of programmatic right now. You can make a copy of data and you can share and you can combine it, you can infer stuff, et cetera. Yeah, that but... just doesn't fly. Right, it's, right, right. Okay, it, it's can... not okay. And therefore you have Google and Apple or the police self-proclaimed policemen of work. You just go like, well, you know, we're going to shut off that technology, whether it's the cookie, whether it's fingerprinting or whatever you want, whatever next gig the, the ad tech industry comes in, they're just going to come and shut it down because they can. They have to only, the only thing you have to look at is this fine line between shutting everything down too quickly and too dramatically so that the antitrust of the world are going to go like, oh, well, you're quashing competition. So they are in a difficult position. Yeah. They've committed to supporting privacy-preserving ad tech in the future, whether it's first-party data or, or cohorts, whatever it is. So there's going to be a shift. and and But the shift is, going to create a reality that's different from the open web as we describe it today hmm. so you're saying open web is going to disappear and how long do, are you giving us before this happens <laughs> how long I'm is not... your prediction <laughs> yeah give me some date <laughs> um well i mean as i said it's already kind of dying because mm-hmm. you already have what well, in some countries 50 percent of the market that's not available right 
So in a sense, it's already dead. But when will, if the, if the question is, when will people be unable to use cookies or um, device IDs to target entirely? I give it 36 months tops. Yeah, about two years and a half. Three yeah. years, three years and a half. Or two yeah. years. Okay. Tops. Yeah, on the web, it will be less than that. Um, probably Android will stay for a little bit longer, but people will have changed that by then. That is very interesting, guys. So a year and a half from now, two years from now, we'll probably, you know, I will have you oh, back before. I'm on record on that. So people are going to email me in two years like, yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's, on, it's going to be out in the yeah. web now. You know, you can't take it back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so how do we prepare? How do we prepare for this? How do you think we should prepare as an industry, as an advertiser, as a marketer? How do you think we should prepare for this? Because it is going to affect open web disappear. It will affect a lot of the agency clients. It's going to affect some brands. It's going to affect some DSP. I mean, the trade desk is one of the leader in terms of like the open web and supporting the open web, but at the same time, um, helping arm, not arm, that's, that wouldn't be, but helping um elevate up on the publisher side and helping them monetize the best they can. So uh, what can we do in your, in your, in this world, what can we do if open web will disappear? Well, once it disappears. One of the problems of this industry is that it's so <laughs> fragmented that there is no real leader that can change things other than the platforms. They always change things to their own advantage, right? So we don't want to wait until Google forces a solution upon us or Apple does which is kind of what's happening. Um, so we need wow. more leaders, yeah? Yeah. We need, we need people who are bold enough to say, right, okay, I understand that um, maybe the way I make most money in the next quarter is still using the cookie or whatever it is. Maybe I can kind of sneak in some sort of universal ID or whatever, even if I know that I might not be 100% compliant. But at the same time, I need to test stuff that I know, tech, solutions, approaches that I know are going to last more than 24 months, 12 months, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And if they work, I need to put my weight behind them so that they scale because it doesn't matter if you have really cool tech. If it doesn't scale, you can't do business, right? Yeah. So we need people to feel like they can be leaders. It doesn't, you, you, you don't need a Google to do it. You just need enough brands to push it, enough publishers to embrace it. Let's take a brief moment for this week's episode sponsor. I wanted to talk briefly about a business. It's a company that I've worked for over the past few years, WorkReduce. Their CEO, Brian Dolan, has been a guest on the podcast a few times last year, talking about how the 80-hour agency work week is no longer sustainable. If you're not familiar with them, WorkReduce works with top holding companies and global brands to augment media specialists into their advertising team to help them scale and grow faster. Their talent is so valuable right now that they're experiencing explosive growth and they're always looking for great talent across all levels of experience. So if you're burned out and not feeling supported in your current role, or you're wanting to accelerate your career to the next level, check out workreduce.com forward slash careers to see all of their open opportunities. As I mentioned before, I've worked as a trader and project lead for WorkReduce and love the flexibility of working from home, especially after my baby girl was born and while I was ramping up building my own consulting business. They're not a freelance marketplace. You'll enjoy the flexibility of freelancing, but the security 
stability, and benefits of being an employee. And that's why so many top specialists are choosing careers with work reduced over the slog of agency life or the constant self-promotion you need when freelancing. WorkReduce will champion your career every day. If you want to reimagine how to work in advertising, check them out at workreduce.com forward slash careers. Okay, you just dropped a big bomb uh, on us. So leave us with like, leave us with like uh, two, two advice, two or three advice to um, for us again that are in a situation where we depend on the open internet. Leave us with actually not only on the open internet, on anything, how to be more privacy forward or privacy uh, advocate forward, how to everything based on our conversation. If anybody had to, let's say, drop in the next, 30 seconds or a minute, what would you tell them? And then after that, we'll go into our closing segment. I'd say put the consumer first at the center. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't look at privacy as a hindrance. Mm-hmm. Look at it as an opportunity. Yeah. And, and find those solutions that are serious about consumer privacy. I can deliver marketing benefit for you, yeah. um, but then align your interests with those of the consumers. And once you find them, just go all in. Support them, help them grow. Um, Got it. That's that's my first and second advice. I'd say. Yeah, that's that's bomb. That's great. Ah, we have so much. I think we're gonna have to have you back before two years and a half, okay? Because we still okay. have a lot of questions. But <laughs> at least you, you can ha ha me and say you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I I am going to say that I know that the open web will. I don't. I honestly and professionally don't think it will disappear hundred percent. But I do, I can agree with you that it's going to, you know, that percentage is going to shift down and shift down and shift down. Um, but, but yeah, let's see. Let's see. You know, maybe it's just me being we very just, We're just going to call it something else. I'm not saying everyone's oh, out of business at all. I'm just saying the open web as we see today with this free exchange of data, et cetera, that's going to oh, die. Yeah. Yeah. Publishers, agencies, brands are still going to use the internet and the metaverse, whatever comes after. Yeah. Of course. After, yeah. But it's not what we have today. It's going to be a completely different ecosystem. That's, oh, that's yeah. my I, I honestly think that in a year and a half from now or less, every time you would you will log into a browser or a computer or whatever, I mean, not a computer, but a browser or into a publisher, you will have to sign in, like period. And it is going to become more deterministic versus just probabilistic at this point. And so how open is the open web when you're logging to a browser, you're logging to your publisher that has, that is a network, right? You're logging to one network that feeds into the publishers at the bottom. Like you're still logging in. So all of those publishers have the ability to know who it is. Um, so again, it goes back to that privacy concern, but at the same time, it's like, if you're, if you're signing up to consume content, I feel like it's only fair that you tell us who you are. Okay. I would rather you giving me your permission to advertise and serve a message that's relevant to you based on the information you gave me versus just me continuing to guess with, you know, third-party data here and there. So I agree. I agree with you. I think, I definitely think it's not going to look the same, but that's what growth is all about, right? Like we haven't had anything, even in traditional TV or radio, there've been growth over time with those media Mm -hmm. and this, only natural that in digital media, <laughs> we're continuing to progress. Now, like you said, we're going to have to put the consumer first. And as marketer, first of all, you should always put the consumer first. 
Okay. With private, mm-hmm. I mean, before even the privacy concern thing happened, how are you, you're marketing to them. You have to be relevant to them while um, putting your brand integrity first, of course, but you have to remember that consumer on the end, because they're the one who's going to make that brand a win or not a win. So, um, so yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate your shares today. Cause I think it gives us a different perspective. And I love the fact that you brought your experience. Uh, honestly, I think it's really cool that you're a lawyer. Um, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> I think it's really cool, you know, uh, okay. but yeah, lawyer, I, I love it. Lawyer, so uh, You can call them anything, but not cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Unless you want to suit that tickets to you. But yeah, okay, cool. Oh, thanks, um, thanks for that. Um, but I, I want love... to pick up on that, on that comment you made about log- logging in, right? Because mm-hmm. um, that's the same. When you put consumer first, you cannot force them to log in. If the average consumer... Uh, reads 30 different sites a week. I think it's 26 mm-hmm. the average. Um, you can they can log in 26 times, right? Med, very yeah. often, many often they will bounce up. So that's where tech companies need to improve their um, yeah. their offering. You need to protect your, your experience. We patented a one-click, effectively a login, which is not but whatever, one-click login, super, super smooth, but it works the same way. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, but that doesn't solve the privacy issue. Because the privacy issues, even if you log in, you still need to exchange data with other companies, et cetera, et cetera. Do I really need to, do I really know all the companies you share my data with? No. Whether I log in or not, it doesn't matter. Where the privacy issue here? is still a problem. So the next step we've done is anonymize all the data on the consumer device. That's, that's to me, it goes in the way of Web3, decentralization, all those buzzwords that are moving trillions on the blockchain. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily use the same tech, but it's the same principle. Decentralized, keep as much as you can on the device, you can achieve the same marketing goals. That to me is the direction of trouble. And mm-hmm. but it's upon us, the innovators, to make that user experience better, both in terms of giving you the, the products and services you want, but also making sure you don't have to do anything special to protect your privacy. It has to be done. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's a good point. Wow, that's a great point. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um yeah, I don't know how else to to end this uh, conversation better than this. This was great. Uh, let's move into the closing segment because I do want to be respectful of your time. I like to ask for one fun fact of every guest about themselves. So share with us one fun fact about yourself. Oh, it's just it's the hardest. <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's because I'm a lawyer. I'm not fun. Um, <laughs> Stop can you, it. Can you, can you edit this out? Like, what, what is a fun <laughs> Um. <laughs> All right, so let's me let me rephrase the question. No, no, no. How... Just, just give me an example of what a fun fact would be. Okay, so what is something when you get off of work, you close your computer, you you're you look forward to, and that might not be a fun fact, but share something where when you get off of work or uh, on the weekends, you never miss a soccer game. Like you have soccer practice every Saturday morning with the buddies, and then after that, you get a beer or. Um, you play baseball or I don't know. What is something that you look forward to outside of outside of work? Okay, well, um, I'm a big, big sports person. So um, okay. the, the thing that I look forward to the most is the surfing. Um, oh, wow, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and so the fun fact is that 12 years ago, I moved to the UK hmm? and I probably surfed 20 times in 12 years. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Which is horrible. I've been dreaming about it again and again and again. It's like, 
I now I feel that I'm too old. So I go back into the water every now and then and I see these kids that are like a hundred times better than me. And I feel like I grow, I've grown old um, and my passion is still there, uh, but my skills aren't quite what they used to be. So I'm going to encourage you to just with. do it. Who cares if the young kids can do it better? Who cares? I know, right? but it's the cold water in the UK that freaks me out. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't I have nothing to say about that. I'm from West Africa, so I don't, I don't do cold really well. I don't yeah. do cold at all, <laughs> actually. <laughs> um, but okay, so la- okay, another question I like to ask is uh, a what if game. So it yeah. goes along, along, along with what we just discussed. So the example I like to, to use is like, what if, it's like when you say what if, it's like expressing gratitude for a goal that you're going to meet, but it's like an impossible goal. Like it's, it's a big dream with no limitation. Like the sky's the limit here, okay? So my what if is retiring my mom by this June, which is less than five, five and a half months away, um, meaning I get to pay for all her bills and have her travel whenever she wants to go see her sisters, because literally her sisters are across the world. There's one in, in France, there's one, there's two in Africa and one over here. Actually, they're just traveling. And so that's one of my goal, in addition to um, taking care of my family. So what would be your what if? giving up on this yeah i'll be i'll be stupidly ambitious here um what if what if we can build a completely different internet where we protect people's rights and empower them to be more aware of how they can be manipulated more resistant to fake news and by doing that we just create a less polarized more civilized society. Mm, that's good. I that's know. really good. Highbrow, huh? Eh? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, 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 it's high. It's high, it's high. I think it's a great motivation to have. And um, and I think uh, we need people like you in our industry to remind us that, hey, this is actually bigger than you, okay? This is actually bigger than a nine to five. <laughs> it goes back to a lot more. So we, we definitely appreciate the expertise you have. We appreciate just your presence in this industry. And um, if you had to give yourself, um, I guess if you had to give your younger self or your freshman self an advice uh, when you started, when you first started in the industry, what would that be? Uh, Listen more. Ooh, that's good, that's good. Try to impress less Mm. and be patient. That's good. Let's listen more, be patient, and try to impress. Okay, just be humble. Like, be yeah, humble enough a, to it's learn. It's a path. Yeah, I was always in a rush to show that I was better than my position or smarter than oh, wow. whatever. That's, Got it. Okay. That, that, it's unnecessary stress for me and people around me. I learned to be humbler and to listen more. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for dropping by. I need, I know I had some camera situation and you still, if you stayed focused, you were not letting that distract me, distract you. So I thank you. Thank you so much. And then as always to our listeners, uh, if anyone was interested in having a conversation with you, how can they do that? Oh, just, um, just drop me a line. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I think I'm there are probably two people uh, in the whole world with my name, Mattia Foshi. So um, if you're in this industry, add me on LinkedIn. Um, and then check us out on idwar.com and drop us a line on uh, on the sign up form. We'll reply within 24 hours. 
Great, great. And all of uh, Matias' information would be in our show notes and on social media when we'll start promoting in a few weeks. So thank you so much again for dropping by and you have a wonderful thank day. Thank you, Alan. You too.